This is Annie Grace, and you're listening to this Naked Mind podcast, where without judgment, pain, or rules, we explore the role of alcohol in our lives and culture. Hi, this is Annie Grace, and welcome to this Naked Mind podcast, and I'm here with Leah. Welcome. How are you? Good. Thank you so much. I'm very excited to be here. So awesome. So yeah, I'm so excited for this too. So why don't you tell me kind of um, where it all started for you, like where, you know, your relationship with alcohol began? (laughs) Um, Yeah. So first I want to say during my childhood, alcohol wasn't very present. Um, My parents, I knew they drank, but I never, there was never alcohol at the dinner table. Um, I never noticed that they were drunk ever. So wasn't really present in my childhood. Um, I had my first drink when I was 13. Um, I was a freshman in high school and I'll never forget it. It was great. I loved the way I felt. Um, I, I just liked how it made me feel um, just giggly and happy. So it was a good experience my first time. Um, uh, drinking escalated probably my sophomore year. Um, I found myself seeking out the parties, um, trying to find events on the weekends that included alcohol. Um, and it really escalated to where my conscious, my conscious was um, getting to me. Um, I was finding myself in situations that I wasn't comfortable with. Um, so I made a conscious decision to stop drinking my sophomore year. Um, I had attended a youth group mission church or a mission with my church. Um, I came home after that and just feeling like I'm not going to drink. Um, I don't like the way I feel afterwards. Um, so it wasn't met very welcoming with my peers, I believe, um, Kind of like, oh, we'll see how long this lasts type of thing. And this was um, sophomore year in high school? Yes. Okay, cool. Um, and so I would still go to parties, but I was very awkward socially, so I always felt very uncomfortable. Um, so it didn't last very long, so to speak. Um, and then I continued drinking throughout high school. Um, graduated high school, I go to college. And my main focus in college is just partying. Um, I ended up not being able to graduate um, just because of how much I was partying and how much it interfered with my my life. Um, So I drop out of college. I was going to college here locally and I decided to move to San Francisco uh, with a a friend of mine. Um, And that was everything that I imagined to be. It was, I was free from, you know, the judgment of my parents. I could do whatever I wanted up there. Um, And that was just partying to the extreme. Um, Completely impulsive behavior where I didn't have any fear of the repercussions that it would bring. Um, So that lasted about three months. Um, After that, a huge onset of depression would sink in. And I also realized that I had accumulated thousands of dollars in debt just from living that party life. Um, so I moved back home, um, 
moved back home with my parents, which it wasn't ideal. Um, still super depressed. I didn't graduate college, so I'm just kind of in this funk here. Um, but the good thing about that was my boyfriend at the time, who is now my husband, he ended up moving back home too. So we were now in the same city together so we could spend a lot of time together. And we were both on the same, same page as far as being young and wanting to hang out, going out, drink. So the drink, it didn't stop once I got home. Um, and because of the drinking, we were, we were reckless um, and we weren't very careful. So we ended up falling pregnant. Um, and I was 21 at the time. Um, so many emotions, scared out of my mind. I wasn't ready to be a mom, but we, you know, opened, we went full in, you know, we welcomed it. Um, and the whole time I was pregnant, I was very, very bitter. I had just come from this extreme lifestyle of partying to completely having to stop. And, um, you know, being around your friends and your husband who not they don't necessarily have to stop and so i just felt like i was missing out you know and really makes me sad because i wasn't able to enjoy my pregnancy i was just focused on having to you know live a different lifestyle um we had the baby uh, beautiful perfect um immediately my maternal instincts would set in and um i wanted to slow down i remember that consciously saying to myself i need to slow down you know I'm a mother now um but there was an internal struggle of you know you you just can't cut all your friends out of your life you still want to be social um so you know i would make the decision to go out and, and drink um and i remember a lot of the times where i did go out i would be super anxious um just you know, when I'm leaving my baby at home, but I would always say to myself, okay, just have a couple drinks and you'll be fine. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I was, sometimes the night, um, would end in me being, um, very angry, um, because of how I felt going into it with, you know, the shame and the guilt and all of my emotions would just, um, just come out towards the end of the night. So a um, couple of years of that, um, we ended up having another baby about three years later. And this time um, I, I was ready to be a mom. We were very excited, um, we had a baby boy. And our, our life actually was great during that period of where I was pregnant. I wasn't bitter this time um, about not being able to drink. Um, and after we had him, we started leading a very healthy lifestyle. We would, you know, go out occasionally with friends, but we slowed down and we started working out. Um, and it was a really good period of time, um, where I felt like we were happy. Um, and then fast forward about three years later. Um, our kids are both in school, elementary school and preschool. So we found that we had some free time on our hands. We were both off during the weekday. So we, we had some extra free time. Um, we started having people over at our house. Um, 
instead of going out, it was much easier to just have the kids go to bed. Um, they come over and we'd have game night. Um, and this started happening more frequently where you just come over to our house, you know, we'll party here. And um, the drinking would sometimes go until three o'clock, four o'clock in the morning. Um, and, you know, the more that you want, the more that you drink, the more you want to. And I felt like that's, that's what was happening to me. So not only was I drinking with friends socially, I started drinking the wine at home. Um, and it pretty soon became like an, an every night thing. A um, couple years of this is when I will have my probably one of the most, the lowest points in my life. Um, the, you know, the parties, the drinking started out great. I started with confidence. And then a couple years later, um, I would become severely depressed. Um, the fights with my husband, um, the arguments that we would have after late nights of drinking would escalate. Um, a lot of hurt um, between us, a lot of problems that we were having um, just escalated. Um, and then I remember one night we were out drinking with some friends and I wasn't feeling it. I, I wanted to go home. So I excused myself and I went home um, and I just wanted to go to bed. Um, before I know it, he had brought the party home so they could continue partying at our house. And I had the biggest anxiety attack that I'd ever experienced. I got out of bed and I said some words that I never thought I would in front of everybody. Um, a huge explosion on my part. Um, so I go to bed that night. I wake up the next morning feeling awful, um, you know, embarrassed that I had exploded in front of all my friends. Um, so I get ready to go to work. Um, oh, we're still there. I get up um, to go to the work, to go to work the next day and I drive to work, you know, my eyes are puffy. I've been crying all day, I've been crying all night. And I sit there in the car and I just, I tell myself, I just can't do this. I cannot go into work. Um, I ended up finding a bottle of pills in my truck. So I'm like, this is it. I, I need to find help. And I didn't know how to find help. I didn't know I could just go to the hospital and say, hey, I need help. So I ended up taking a handful of pills and driving myself to the hospital and telling them, hey, I'm suicidal, I, I need help. So from there, they uh, transferred me to a psych hospital. Uh, me, I'm relieved. I'm thinking, okay, this is it. This madness is gonna stop. I'm gonna, finally gonna find help. Um, and when I get there, it's a completely different experiment experience. It's traumatic. Um, and I did not find the help that I needed, mm -hmm. so to speak. Um, so I, I get, I get out a couple days later. 
Um, the good thing about it was they were able to hook me up with a psychiatrist at that point. So I go into the psychiatrist and they diagnosed me with bipolar. And immediately I'm like, okay, this makes sense. This, this explains all of my explosive fights, all of my ups and downs, my depression, um, like that's it. So I was relieved um, at the time. I'm like, okay, let's just get me on some medication and I'll go to therapy and everything, you know, will probably smooth out. Um, so I knew I needed to stop drinking. You know, I knew that the drinking didn't help my mental illness. Um, but I just decided, you know, I'll slow down. Um, but I, I still will participate in social events. Um, so about six months later, we had our third baby um, and very excited. Again, she's, she's beautiful. And we have her in the hospital. And I just remember um, my husband bringing wine to the hospital. So we were met with champagne and wine. And um, I was suffering from a spinal headache. So as I was in the hospital, drinking wine to medicate myself with that. So right from the get-go, as soon as you know I had the baby, I was already drinking. Um, and then I had her in May, so it was summertime. I had three months off for mater maternity leave. So those days were filled with having friends over, barbecues, we would go to the beach, um, and every single event that we did would include alcohol. Um, even on the weekends, I would have brunch at my house and it was socially acceptable to have a mimosa at 10 in the morning. So, and, and not having to go to work the next day, um, you know, I could cope with being hungover in the morning for a little bit. Um, and then I, I did start going back to work after three months. Um, that was really hard. So I was taking care of three kids and juggling work and still drinking. Um, so I, I made a conscious decision. I need, I need to take a break. It was getting to be too much. Um, so I decide, okay, me and my husband and one of my best friends, I'm like, let's just take a break for a little bit. Uh, I lasted five days. The fifth day, something happened where i don't know maybe one of my kids started fighting with somebody and i'm like that's it <laughs> you know okay five days is enough so back to the wine um and during i have to say during those five days it took everything even me dumping out bottles of wine or any alcohol that i had in the house it was like okay we got to get rid of this i don't want any temptation and it, you know, it was really tough. Um, after that, my, we had a party over here for my husband. We had a poker night. Um, everybody brought in a bunch of alcohol um, and, we had a, and we had a great time. Problem is there was a bunch of alcohol left over and I, I started, drinking earlier in the daytime 
it used to be where I, you know, would wait till five o'clock. That's a socially acceptable time. So in my mind, it was completely justified. Um, but now I could feel, okay, you know, o'clock or, you know, maybe even get the kids from school, come home, have a, have a drink so I can just be a more pleasant mom, so to speak, you know. Um, so the last week and a half before I had my last drink was just spiraling out of control. It was drinking till I passed out at nighttime. Um, that's the only way I could fall asleep. And then being so hungover the next morning, I, I would justify it. Okay, I'll just have, you know, hair of the dog is what they always said. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So all in my mind, it was all justified for some reason. And, um, and I also knew that I was in deep, deep trouble because at this point, I, I could not stop whatsoever. Um, so one night I had, I had drank to excess um, and I find myself in the bathroom and I'm, I'm just miserable because I'm, I'm, I'm at a loss. I don't know what I'm gonna do. I don't know how to get out of this. So I ended up taking, trying to harm myself basically. So. I'm lying on the bed and my husband finds me and he's furious. He has no idea what's going on. He, he didn't know how much I was drinking that last week and a half. He had no idea. So I tell him at that, at that point, okay, I'm, I'm going to AA. I'm going to go. We won't have to deal with this anymore. Um, so the next day I find a meeting and I, I walk into the meeting, I was so afraid of what to expect because of the whole stigma around AA. It was frightening, um, but I have to say, I went to that meeting, it, it was a women's meeting and they welcomed me with open arms and you know, all walks of life there. They, they felt like, you know, I, it wasn't, the, the stereotype of people that I imagined it to be. So it was a good experience. Um, it kept me sober, the accountability of meeting people there, it did keep me sober for a couple weeks. But the whole time I was there, I always felt so sorry for myself. Like I, I had this problem and I can't drink anymore. Um, and I just felt like the life that I was going to lead was just going to be misery. Like I can no longer enjoy these social situations with, you know, normal drinkers. Um, and then somehow I came across an ad for the alcohol experiment. Um, and I figured, okay, well sign up. It's free. That's awesome. So, um, just give it a shot and see what it's all about. And, I started receiving your, your videos through your email. And I swear the first, the first day, I was like, this just all makes so much sense. The science behind it is like, it was so eye opening, And I was just, I, I was blown away basically. 
so I, I completed the whole 30 days and probably by, I don't, I mean, I want to say the first video I got, I had my aha moment and it was, it just wiped away all my fears about having to live alcohol free and the mental mind shift that happened. It was not that I don't get to drink. It's that I don't have to drink. And since then I just felt so free. Um, I was definitely a prisoner to alcohol. Um, and now I'm on March 20th. I'll be one year alcohol free. Yay, congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and I can say I've, I've never felt happier. I, I don't think I've ever been this happy before in my life at all. And um, I could tell alcohol was ruining my life and it, it did ruin a lot of parts of my life. Um, but I'm just so thankful for a second chance and coming across your program. <laughs> that's so awesome. Um, yeah, that's, it's a, it's an amazing story and it just shows, I think so powerfully like the link between that really deep, deep anxiety filled depressive state where you literally feel hopeless. And I remember having moments, um, of just laying in my closet and being like, gosh, everybody would be better off without me here. And how irrational that feels to me now, mm -hmm. you know, like I can't even, I'm like, it, it's almost as if I was possessed or something like what, what happened inside my brain, you know? And then, um, I was actually reading a study yesterday from a doctor and he just had this, this quote, um, it's Dr. Aaron White, he's a PhD, and it was in the National Institute on Alcohol Abuse and Alcoholism. And the quote is like, if recreational drugs were tools, alcohol would be a sledgehammer. And in terms of what it does to the brain, like if, if you know, marijuana, uh, opium, whatever, they're like mushrooms, little screwdrivers, or maybe a hammer, maybe, you know, heroin's a saw or whatever, like alcohol's a sledgehammer because of how it literally um, impairs your balance, your mortality coordination, your decision-making, your memory, all of that stuff. But it introduces, at least for me, with the anxiety as someone who, you know, I was diagnosed with severe depression at 19. And so like to have already struggling with those things, and then by the way, being prescribed all of this medication, which all of it says not to drink, but mm -hmm. everybody else says, oh, it's fine because I do it too. And everybody does it. I don't know anybody who's like taking their antidepressants and then just Oh, I don't drink because I'm on my antidepressants. Like that just wasn't a thing. So there was the, the thing the bottle said, and then there was the thing that all my friends said, and it was like totally different. So I went with this because, hey, then I got to drink. And then yeah. you just combine it and you find yourself in this place of like insanity mm -hmm. where you feel and, and things that you're like, how, how is this even real? You know, and then when I'm out of it and looking back, and I don't know if this is how you feel, but I'm like, how is that even possible that I thought for one minute, like looking at my, my kids and my husband and be like, they'd be better off without me. Like, how does that, that doesn't even make sense. It's not even logical. Yeah. I, I know it's crazy to think about that, that mental state that I was in. Um, Cause I know, you know, when you talk, when people talk about suicide, they think, how can you, it's so selfish. And I legit thought, everybody would be better off without me. You know, I felt like, yeah, you know, it might be hard for a little bit, but 
they'll find love. My husband will find true love, you know, without me, my kids, they'll be, they'll find somebody who can take care of them. Like that was my mindset. Like, and it's really scary to think about. And yeah, being out of it now, like you said, it's just, I'm 100% a completely different person. And I just know I, I never, ever want to feel that way again. And, you know, alcohol was the poison for sure. Yeah. And it's not, it's not even disputed. (laughs) It literally does do those things yet. We just, you know, don't know. I mean, we literally don't know. And I think that's, you know, one of the questions so much um, that I personally have struggled with, but also I get from so many people as well. Well, how do you deal with the shame of it then? How do you deal with that? And, um, and the best way I know how is just really acknowledging for yourself that, you know, you had, you're doing the best you could with the tools you had, like you were just given these tools that were not only not effective, they were like the sledgehammer for your brain. Like, let's just take it and demolish it. And, yeah. you know, any chance you had it, at actually dealing with some of these mental health issues, um, we're just going to wipe that away because this actually makes it all so much the worse. But by the way, your psychiatrist probably isn't like saying like, don't drink. Well, you know, this is right. really, like, nobody's saying that. So even, even the doctors are like, well, this is what the bottle says, but you know, it's whatever. It's, it's okay. It's not a big deal. I mean, I've been drinking and I take this and blah, blah, blah. So it's, it's so interesting how there's such mixed messages. Um, when you were, when you went into the hospital and then later when your husband was really frustrated, kind of in that second time, were you feeling really down? Like, was he surprised or did he, he know and understand, like, had he been on this journey with you or was it like this release of like, okay, this is what's really happening with me. And, and this hasn't been open before for us. Um, no. Yeah. He was really surprised. Um, definitely didn't understand where it was coming from. Um, and when I had told him that I was going to AA, it was a huge shock. Like he didn't, he didn't understand. Um, I, again, I don't think he knew how much I was drinking towards the end, but it was more, probably more, um, of like, wow, what are we going to do if, if you stop drinking, you know, our our whole life has been built around, um, you know, social drinking. So in the beginning, it was really hard. Um, and probably within two weeks, he could totally see my mental, my, my mental mind shift change. Um, I came home just realizing how selfish I was um, and how much I, I wasn't giving enough love. I was just taking it, taking it. I was always the victim. Um, so he could see that transformation of how I became more supportive of him, more loving towards him, more giving towards him. And I think that's when he finally understood, okay, alcohol has really affected our relationship. Um, and then he, he actually hasn't drank since Christmas. So he's, he's amazing. He's definitely my biggest supporter along with my parents. Um, and yeah, just seeing it firsthand, how, 
how much our life has changed for the better without it is just speaks for itself. So. And has that been him supporting you or has it been anything in his own journey or a little bit of both? Um, so yeah, it started out in me, I believe. Um, and he did drink here and there, um, while like I, it didn't affect me. I said, you know, you don't have to start stop drinking just for me. Like I am secure in my own decision and it's okay. It doesn't bother me. Um, so he did drink a couple times and I think for him, he noticed how it made him feel. Um, he read your book and so he became more mindful uh, about what he was putting in his body, how it was making him feel. So I think for him, he, he was able to make that choice for himself. It was like, hey, yeah, we don't necessarily need alcohol for all of these situations type of thing. So he came into his own as well, which is amazing. Yeah, that's so similar to my husband. It was actually, he was not going to do it for me. He was just basically like, nope. But then he actually really needed to read the book because I was about to publish it. And then like just over time, it, it kind of, you know, continuously worked on him, you know, different, different aspects. And then he's like, oh, what's the point? I don't know. doesn't matter, yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah. And I, I've shared the book with everybody that will listen. Like, you know, immediately when I had my aha moment, I was just going around like, hey guys, guess what? You don't have to drink type of thing. Like, read this book. It'll change your life. Um, and, you know, some people were inspired, which, you know, is great. You know, fallen dead ears to some people, but, you know, for the most part, people were welcoming to it and have read your book. So, um, just the, the info is too great not to share. And for me, it's the type of information that you just can't unlearn. You know, it's, it's there, it's proven and it's great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's so good. Um, so then how has it been? Because I know you said he was really afraid, like, how are our lives going to be? This is like, we have everybody over, everybody's partying. Like what's, how, how has it been um, to navigate that? It's been fine. Like all the worries, um, that we had before, uh, we still go to functions, we still go to parties, we still go out and, and it's great. And it gets to a point where, you know, you're hanging out at the party maybe for too long, um, where the dynamic starts changing, but you can just remove yourself and, you know, get home at a decent hour and um, feel great the next day. So we've learned to just, you know, enjoy, sorry, enjoy what we, what we really want to. So, you know, we'd always say nothing good happens after the bars close or whatsoever. And that's true. You, you go for the moment of time and you get the, you get the good experience and then you get to leave. So it's, we're not missing out on anything, <laughs> so to speak. Yeah, I feel the same way. Um, yeah, and it's so true. I mean, and and it's interesting because I did I did stay there for a long time, sort of after the after for the after party, so to speak, because I was just so determined not to let this like affect how I was showing up. And then the realization that I was like just watching people who were really fun and intelligent, and then suddenly were just not even sharing the same space. They just seem so different, and the things yeah. they're saying are nonsensical. And I'm 
looking yeah. in their eyes and they're not really focused anymore. And I'm just like, wow, I actually, and I started like, I read this great article about ghosting, just, you know, that actually saying goodbye is more for you than for them. And nobody knows this anyway. And so I was like, okay. So I just started, you know, my husband and I were like, just ghost. And then nobody, nobody has ever, ever, not even once in all the times that we've done it been like, where'd you guys go? Yeah. Never. <laughs> you know? They just assume since you didn't make a big deal out of saying goodbye, they just assume you were there till the end. Oh, I loved it. It was like, you know, the goodbyes are awkward for both parties. They feel yeah. like they're trying to pressure you to stay. You feel like you're needing to be pressured to stay, but they don't, you know, it's just like, yeah. just ghost. And so as soon as we just feel like it, we just have that freedom and just leave. And I mean, it's, it's great. And you don't feel like you're missing out or like, I've gotten the best of this. My, yeah. my grandmother, um, she always will say at sunset, she's like, we've just really soaked in the best of the day. And I'm like, yeah, like, you know, but doesn't mean that you have to overdo it or anything. I don't know. It's just cool. Yeah. I like that a lot. Yeah. I agree. So, um, I always kind of ask this, but you know, what would you, what would you tell Leah about what life is like now? And especially, uh, the girl who was not even feeling like she had options besides taking pills before driving to the hospital and, you know, really feeling stuck and, and so anxious and so confused. What would you tell her? I, um, I would, I would first, I would give her a hug. Um, tell her to follow your gut. Um, if you're not doing, if you're doing something that you know is wrong, um, that's probably, probably true. Um, Tell her that you don't have to hit rock bottom to stop drinking. I think that's the most important thing. It's probably the, the, mes the message that I want to share the most is in our society, I feel like it's either you can handle your drinking or you hit rock bottom and then that's when you get help. Um, tell her to read your book. <laughs> I told her you'll be even happier on the other side and it's so hard to believe when you're in it but truly truly be happier without alcohol so so hard to believe and so true and then you're like how could i have believed anything else like how could i have when you're on this side you're like how could i really have thought that that was gonna add anything i mean it yeah. just doesn't even make sense but um you know the brain gets confused and for good reason it it is addictive to the human brain, so it gets confused. Uh, but anyway, that's so cool. Well, Leah, thank you so much. It's really awesome of you to share your story, and especially the vulnerable, hard parts. It's so it's so powerful, and um, I know we just see and hear each other, and we all, we always feel less alone when yeah. when we pull up for each other. So I really appreciate it. Thank you. Um, my, yeah, goal was if I could just reach one person, you know, inspire one person, then I would do my job sharing my story. It's, we're definitely not alone. <laughs> and I think it's, it's amazing too, because, you know, in your story, it's not, it's not a story of, at least from what you shared today, so much external tragedy as it is so much internal pain. And it just, it just shows so truly how the internal pain doesn't always care about the external circumstances, you know, like we can have some of the deepest internal pain, mm -hmm. um, 
out of the blue, really. Yeah. And then feel even worse about it sometimes because I don't have this huge tragic backstory to hang my, you know, yeah. my pain on. And um, I remember just, what, you know, thinking to myself, wow, my life is amazing on paper. You know, I have a beautiful family. My husband loves me. I, you know, great extended family. And why am I feeling this way? Why can't I just shake it? And um, it's amazing what the difference I feel now, <laughs> being able to actually enjoy the things I have. So, yeah, that's that's so amazing. I remember having that that conversation with a girlfriend of mine, where because for me it was the same. It was like my drinking literally escalated when I'd reached all my milestones, you know? And it was a combination of things. It was my second son. It was postpartum depression. It was all of these sorts of things. But one of the main things was like, okay, all of the things that I'd been trying for, like I'd been trying to be an executive, like at, at a really big company, senior level, I'd been trying to travel internationally. I was traveling all the time. I'd been trying for this. Like we wanted to live in the mountains. We wanted this certain type of house. We wanted... Uh, you know, I wanted kids, I wanted like the husband, like the, the income, all of the things. And then I ticked all these boxes. And I remember I was about 33 years old and just being like, oh my gosh, like I did it all. And now I'm, and I'm still not happy. And it was almost like, uh, I heard somebody, I'm not going to remember who it was, but I heard a quote recently and it was basically like, everybody should get Oh, it might be Jim Carrey. Everybody should get everything they want. Because in that moment, you have to actually find out if, you, if you're happy or not. Because we can put so much happiness into the, the anticipation and the chasing and the going for. And then you look around and you're like, wow, this is great. And I'm still internally broken and a mess. And I mean, it, it took me years from that point to really come to a point where yeah now I'm like oh I can appreciate and enjoy all of this and it still all exists and it's amazing but actually I'd, I'd be happy without it too and that was a really different place from where you know I like now I'm like yeah if we were you know living in a tent as long as my kids are here and like it's cool like I don't I have so much less of that kind of future gating pacing things than we all do we all I mean we're human beings. We all are going to have that, but it is really profound. And I was talking to my, my friend and she's like, well, it's so easy for you because you, you've got all this stuff. You're married. You got this, you got that. And she's single. And I'm like, the worst in my life has been having all the things and, and feeling like I didn't deserve mm -hmm. it, you know? And that was um, really tough. So anyway, I just appreciate that. I mean, it's so, it's so, I love this podcast because we just get so, such a varied range of of stories and yours is just really powerful so i really appreciate it thank you really appreciate this opportunity <laughs> awesome well have a great day and, and thank you so much 
Hi, I'm so excited, you guys, because we are just about to start another live alcohol experiment. And if you do not know about the alcohol experiment, you need to literally drop everything right now and go to thisnakedmind.com forward slash LAE. That's LAE for live alcohol experiment. And here's the thing. This 30-day challenge is designed to interrupt your patterns and put you back in touch with the best version of you. You know it's that version that's living the most joyful life. That version that doesn't need alcohol to relax or have a good time. And that version that's having more fun and is more peaceful than ever. Again, it's a 30-day challenge. It's live. It's starting on the first. So hurry up. Go to thisnakedmind.com forward slash L-A-D. And as always, rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast as it truly helps the message reach somebody who might need to hear it today.